If you like growing food, then you might like eating food. And if you like eating food, then you might like cooking food. Well, go check out the first season of Backyard Kitchen available on Tubi for free. Available on all smart TVs and online. That's T-U-B-I. All free. First season of Backyard Kitchen. Is there anything better in the summertime than a nice, fresh, juicy watermelon? Some like it hot, some like it cold. Who knows? Well, if you do, you're lucky because we are going to go over watermelons today in the new addition to the You Should Grow series right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening. We are your host, Ben and Batavia, and you can find me gardening in the country. And you'll find me gardening in the city. Get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening where we learn to grow and grow for change. All right. So here's the deal. If you are just new to this show, this is a series where we go over everything you need to know about growing a plant. Uh, We have a block coming up and we're starting with watermelons. And I recommend that you would get a notepad or something. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you should have a notepad, right? I mean, come on, because um, we just be throwing out knowledge. Listen, <laughs> if you're a host of the podcast, you know, if you're one of, one of the co-hosts, maybe you don't need a notepad. Yeah. But um, yeah, sure. If you're a listener, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the notepad see? people normally carry around in their hand in everyday life. Sure, grab that. I keep one in my shirt pocket. So, <laughs> but um, no, we're going to go over um, how to start the seeds, when to plant them, companions, how big they get. Um, foes, plants they don't get along with, pests, diseases, harvesting, and then some nutrition. So um, I know I learned a lot from this. How about you, Batavia? I did. And then we're also, we got to shout out to the other veggies and fruits, I guess, within this series. Yeah. Eggplant, green beans, yep. summer squash. Can you pick up a theme? Like we're we're like coming into July, getting strong with the summer veggies. It's happening. So um, yeah. And if you want to help support the show, become a patron. You can get one extra mini soda month and one extra episode, not released anywhere, but exclusively on Patreon. So come join us. But watermelons. What do you want to do? You want to do two and two? Sure, go for it. All right. You want to start? You want me to start? I'll start. Uh, when to grow. So this is a part of also the heat loving series. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> uh, you can actually direct sow or transplant, but you want to make sure you're really clear of your average, basically frost. Right. And I'm going to go on a limb and say you want to really be closer to the 60 degree Fahrenheit as a low. You'll consistently see things with summer plants, like make sure your nights are in the fifties. And while I get that, like those 50 degree nights can still be pretty cold for some of these plants. So I'm going to go ahead. My general rule will now be 60 degrees and greater uh, for specifically watermelons and maybe some of the other plants that will grow. Um, So you can, Start those from seed. This is similar to your squash-like family, meaning when you start them from seed, they germinate under the right conditions and start to grow pretty quickly. So I'm going to call it somewhere around like 
two weeks before you're ready to transplant out. And by transplant out, I mean before you're ready to harden off and then transplant out if you're starting them indoors. If you're direct sowing, once that temp is right, drop them in and you'll be all set. Um, the seeds for watermelons, even with the baby ones, are pretty big. So you're going to go like, a what is it, one inch about as far as depth. Um, the spacing, which is my second one, then I'll transition to you. The spacing is a... It depends on how you're growing them, right? So no matter how small the plant's going to get, the melon's going to get, whether it's a baby or a full-size melon, you're still going to have a ton of uh, vines all over the place. So if you're growing them traditionally, we're talking about meaning like they're just sprawled around on the ground four or five or six feet apart. If you're growing them like many of us to do on a trellis, you can plant them closer together. And I'm really learning from the lessons I've continued to hit every three or four or five years, you want to go two or three feet apart if you're planting them for the purpose of growing on a trellis. If you're planting them in a large container and you're going to provide some support, let's do one melon per container. That's it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I've got that they get nine to 18 inches tall and 10 to 15 foot spread on them. So, and I've definitely had some go 20 plus feet before. And when I say Mm -hmm. spread, I mean, open, you know, they're giving hugs to everything around them. <laughs> so I got stuck with companions. So this is companion plantings. Um, I broke it down into two categories for this one, aphid control and cucumber beetle control. So Ooh, um, okay. and I do have thoughts after about that. So aphid control would include garlic, dill, and mint. And then cucumber beetle control would be corn, broccoli, and radish. Now, before you ask me the science behind that, I'm not going to tell you because I don't know. Um, what I am going to say that I find it very interesting is as far as the companions go, most of it, so the broccoli, the radish, and the garlic, the in theory, the watermelon won't really be next to it very long. So I question the validity of this claim. But that being said, go for it. Um and then the corn, sure, why not? You know what I mean? So this is kind of where we fall, and we've done a whole episode in the past about companion planting, where we yeah. kind of dove into this and our beliefs about companion planting. But this is what makes myself, and I think Batavia as well, question the validity of it. But whatever. Um, foes? So let me just comment on companion yeah. planting real quick. So I was right. I put... Um, interplanting with the radishes at the bottom of my companion planting list just for the purpose of by the time the weather is warm enough for you to really be planting and growing watermelons your radishes are done yeah. and by the end of the season no one's thinking about like we're at the end of the season and i'm gonna put some radish in for the fall let me go plant them next to the melons that's just not how that works i am starting to make another general rule of thumb if i read something on the interweb and it doesn't tell me the why when it comes to this companion planting stuff I'm not going to believe it. I'm discarding yeah, it. That's it. That's all. I mean, <clears throat> I've seen like garlic and onions and stuff. Um, the scent of them to tears animal or pests mm-hmm. in general. So I can get I can get on board with it a little bit, but I'm very cautious, like you said, because as this series unfolds, mm-hmm. you're going to see why um, 
I kind of question But the it. onions and the garlic, you just gave an explanation as to why. You found an explanation as to why. So I could get on board yeah, with that. Yeah. If it's just listed on a long list of companions, not so and much. And there's a lot of these so. things that have companions and foes that are, you know, miles long and it includes like every flower and all that stuff. We're giving you what we're focusing on, which is herbs, food, and then your basic flowers if they are, you know, included. Um, but foes would include simply cucumbers, squash, and pumpkins. That's it. And the cucumbers, I, I can get it because we have a whole category for cucumber beetles. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that kind of, it makes sense to me. Um, now, I will say this. In my bed right now, I have watermelons. And then right next to it, I have zucchini, which is the same thing as squash. So we shall oh, yeah. see. And I may even yes. have I may even have a pumpkin right next to it, too. So I may be doing the <laughs> trifecta. I don't know what's going on in my world. So when it comes to um, the the foes and the companions, like I have, you don't want squash and zucchini to grow next to your melons because they compete for the same soil nutrients yeah. and sunlight. And you can manage around that as a gardener, right? You know, then I have the... Um, you know, some of these vegetables tend to attract the same issues, which we see in a lot. Yeah. Like we see the description of that a lot of times, like you mentioned the cucumber beetle. All right. Well, I mean, you complained about getting the the foes and the, the companions. Yeah. I have pests and diseases. The pests are going to be straightforward. I'll pause and let you add a couple of diseases are a mile long. <laughs> so for pests, you know, um, make sure I have my right sheet that this is in my squash sheet which I think it is. <laughs> so I'm going to de- default to you because I've mixed my sheet up. I could give you the foes and the pest for a squash because that's what I have here. So watermelons, it's um, like like Batavia said, it's not that many. It's uh, cucumber beetles, squash vine mm-hmm. borers, aphids, and mites. And yes, you heard me correctly. The little bastard, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the squash vine borer. Um, I have had squash vine borers throughout my garden every single year, and I've never had one go after my watermelon. Mm-hmm. That being said, I would not rule it out, but my statistics are leaning in the in the opposite. But I think it's safe to just say, like, hey, this could be an issue. Um, and I do want to go back real quick to the companions and foes. And if it's a squash and the squash vine borer, obviously – and you plant it next to it, is it susceptible to being more susceptible to the squash vine borer if they're planted right next to each other? That's a question I have. And my simple answer is it's no more susceptible because the moth or the bug, whatever, that the squash vine borer comes from has wings. It flies. You know what I mean? So I think when you look at it that way, it's not that big a deal as far as putting it together for the squash vine borer, but... We're going to find out because the plants that's right next to it has squash vine borers in it as well. And the watermelons next to it. So we shall see. Yeah. The good news is I did have the right sheet and I was thrown off because of the listing of squash like pests under watermelon. All right. There are a few insects that occasionally attack melons is the descriptor. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and take disease then. Um, So dampening off um, when it's planted in cold, wet soil. Um, So they seem to be susceptible to that. Um, In some cases, you may have a bacterial wilt, um, which can also impact things like 
kind of any of those like blossoming, vining, melon type uh, cucumbers also suffer from this. Powdery mildew, which is like the catch-all when it comes to diseases. Um, you do have, I think you, there's a very earlier pre-Batavia episode of the Backyard Gardens podcast. It's pretty popular where you talk specifically about watermelons. So that's a plug there. Um, so there's some fungal leaf spot. Um, I'm looking at our time here and there is some fruit rot diseases that can affect melons. Um, and then the, which we do talk about mostly in these episodes, the remedy is like, get it out of the garden as soon as you detect it. You know, if you've decided to try to treat it, that's great, but this kind of thing can spread. And that's also a reason why some of these things aren't suggested to be planted together. Yeah. Cause if they suffer from like conditions, the spread could be pretty rapid. So I've got um, a couple different ones, too. Mm-hmm. Did you say a leaf spot? Uh, nope, I did not. Okay. Oh, yeah, fungal leaf spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess I just have, like, the designate, like the actual name of the leaf spot, which mm-hmm. I has it. Well, first of all, I can't pronounce it. It's Alternaria. Um, and I can't. When are you going to figure out if I don't say it? It's because I can't pronounce well, and, it. I just skip right over so it. So I want to say, but there's a reason why I brought it up is because Whenever I've used a product to treat a disease, I never see the actual name before. It's always leaf spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, and the only other thing I have is a gummy stem blight, which I may have yeah. had in the past. I remember I had one, and I don't know exactly, but it was real, the stem got real gummy. And mm-hmm. I remember looking at it being like, what the hell is that? Had no clue that it was a disease. No, yeah. it never even crossed my mind. I figured it was just some kind of bug and that's kind of the issue with diseases is they creep up on you and Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. you can rack your brain thinking well what kind of pest do i have when in fact it's not even a pest because if you go back up to the pest we talked about mites like spider mites and stuff man you know how to do you know how to find spider mites you take a white i don't know but i'm freaked out you take a white piece of paper and you shake the plant Mm. and then you look at the specks of dust and dirt that fall in it and see if they're moving you know, that's generally how you see it. So it's like, if something like that can attack your plant, you're not going to just walk up to them and be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's all gummy because the spider mites ate through it. Like, you're not going to see that. Yeah. So there's something yeah. that I learned I have, for sure. I, it's not a disease, I, I guess. Maybe it's more of a deficiency. Um, blossom, blossom end rot does also affect watermelons. Yeah. I, um, I was thinking I was sitting pretty last year, and then I came back around... And yeah, no go for that. And um, that's something that I feel like I'm challenged with with some of my containers. But this actually happened to be planted in one of my raised beds. And it made me think that maybe I had deficiency in that soil last year. I actually just gave up on it and kept moving since my season is short. And a lot of these melons take a long time. So I didn't investigate it. We'll see what happens this so year. So what is um, the blossom in What causes that? Um, so... One hand will say it's a calcium deficiency. Another hand will say um, inconsistent watering and creates that. It could be both hands are telling the truth. I'm not sure. And also, it could be a it? pH balance issue. Ah, yeah, good as point. Well, because um, what that does is it, it it it's like a chain reaction inside of the plant. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm, like you have mm-hmm. this issue. The, P, the balance is low and then you have the calcium issue because it's not soaking up the water to get through and it's just this whole mess. So, but mm. a lot of times you can fix that with a, um, a full, foliar, foliar calcium spray that you can get. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of expensive and you have to, you know, is it really worth it? But 
you know, you can think of it yourself. But if you're having issues with like every year you're getting it, get your yeah. soil tested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so uh, harvesting. Mm. <laughs> I think that's you. I'm glad because, okay. Lord, who knows how to pick a ripe watermelon once they're harvested and who knows how to harvest it. All right, go for it because I don't believe you. So um, I'm going to give you a whole bunch and then I'm going to tell you the right way. So when the rind is dull and it's not shiny, mm-hmm. that's a, a mm-hmm. sign. It doesn't mean it is. Um, when you can't pierce the rind with your fingernail, then that's a sign. Um, but the true sign, or oh, and then the other one is when you flip it over, it's pale yellow on the bottom. That's another sign because that means that it's been sitting in the weights forming in it. And then there's a folk tale that you thump it and however it sounds will tell you. But the one way that is fail safe every time is you go to the watermelon and you go, I'm going to make a video about this too, um, coming up whenever I get a watermelon to harvest. So if you don't see a video about it, that means I didn't harvest a watermelon. <laughs> but you go to the, um, the stem and then right mm-hmm. at the base up where it meets the vine, there's a curly cube pigtail. When that pigtail browns, and when I say, when I say brown, not like slightly discolored, but it browns, mm-hmm. that watermelon is done. It's every single time I've done, ever since I've done that, I've not picked an unripe watermelon. Yeah, so, I've um, I've used that method. Yeah. when it comes to I thump them in the grocery store, but when it comes to growing them, I've used that method. And I'm just I'm I'm still the jury's out on what it takes to get a really sweet watermelon um, in Chicago. And, and so, from the ground. Like from your garden, yeah, okay. my garden, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I. By the time we hear this episode, we'll, we'll determine whether or not I've decided to grow them. But as we record, this is not part of the plan. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's that curly Q tail, and then it's the mm-hmm. paleness on the bottom. Those are the two things that I go by. Mm-hmm. But I don't get too crazy flipping it over and looking at it because I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to damage it. But you know, when it's time, it's time. And I thump them just because I like the sound. There's that. <laughs> yeah, and just to clarify, for me, it's about the number of days that this this real heat-loving vegetable wants or fruit wants and whether or not I truly have that. I mean, again, there's variety as well. You know, this, what is it, 90% water. So there is also, you know, your watering habits can impact the taste and the flavor of it. And I clearly have not mastered it. Um, There is one other melon, which I'm going to just say that there's another melon that I have my sights on and I can taste it. It's been two years and I can still taste it. So So, I'm still going to apply a lot of these, uh, these notes to that growing as well. Well, watering definitely changes the flavor. Um, Mm -hmm. Same with like strawberries and stuff like that. It Mm -hmm. will water down the taste, but then, so what you do and this is something else that I do is when it's getting close to it, I start withholding mm-hmm. water from that watermelon mm-hmm. and that'll cause it to get sweeter and sweeter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're overwatering it, you can't now. I mean, I don't know if it works. I know I've definitely had like watered down watermelons, mm-hmm. but since mm-hmm. I started holding them back, I think I have had better luck. But yeah, the hard part about it, though, is especially when you're interplanting when you're planting melons with other things and like there's it's i mean it's not like it's a watermelon patch and so you can just basically manage that watering all the same because it's all the same yeah it's the whole thing yeah the whole garden excuse me this is different right and so it it just creates a challenge that i'm not sure if i i'm up to this season yeah um because to be quite frank with my limited space i'm chasing the best melon i've ever had in my life 
I know. You're going to wonder what that best melon is. I know what it is. I don't know. Maybe maybe some folks should comment below and, and ask. Yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think. I think I know. <laughs> I don't know. No, you don't know. I know what you've grown, though. See, I have a full okay, catalog right. of everything that you've grown. <laughs> All right, let me get the nutrition out. Let me get the nutrition out. Okay. So, Go. a wedge, okay? I'm just going to call it your basic classic wedge. I'm not going to mm-hmm. give you dimensions or anything like that. And the way I did this is I I gave you your basic nutritions, but then as far as like the vitamins and stuff go, I just noted anything that was that caught my eye that may be important mm-hmm. to talk about. So one wedge is 87 calories, 0.4 grams of fat, 22 grams of carbs, 1.7 grams of protein, and then the vitamin C was only 38%. And so I wrote that down. Mm. Because I was shocked that of all the vitamins mm-hmm. and nutrients that are in there, there wasn't that much. Like, that was the highest amount. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've done some stuff in the past that's like a thousand per like carrots are like a thousand percent or something like that. So it just kind of caught my eye. But if you want to put on some weight, eat some watermelon because them carbs are going to stack up, baby. <laughs> but if you're doing like some kind of like serious workout regimen or something, it's really good because it'll hydrate you and mm-hmm. give you those carbs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is watermelon. Yeah. So, the question is, what kind of watermelons is everybody growing? That's what I want to know. I'm curious this year about what varieties people are growing of these things. So, if you are watching this on YouTube, then comment below. If you are listening to this, I beg you to go to YouTube and comment what you're growing (laughs) because I I feel like I have a bunch of seeds that are like, oh, this looks interesting. And I really need recommendations on... And I'm talking Midwest folks. I mean, again, if you're not in the Midwest, you could still comment because you could help somebody else. But if you want to help me, I need my Midwestern folks, you know, that are planting watermelons in June to tell me what tastes great in August or September. I think you can find something. But look, everybody, I want to give a special shout out to the patrons because they chose this, this watermelon series, this You Should Grow series that we're on right now, this block. So thank you guys so much. And if you'd like to have input on any of our shows and suggest show topics, the only place we're taking those is patrons. So you can come be a patron and get the other benefits as well. We would love to have you. Um, thank you so much. And next week we're going to be talking about eggplants, I think. Yeah, eggplants. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please follow us on YouTube at Backyard Gardens TV. Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. Over on our website, BackyardGardensTV.com. And then we have Patreon at Backyard Gardens. And don't forget to check out our links below to help the show. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn to grow and grow for change. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month.
Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck. We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.